Okay, it's no secret that I really like John Adams. And I'm not talking about the former U.S. President John Adams or his son, the former U.S. President John Adams. I'm talking about John Adams, the British scholar who thinks about risk. And if you've not read him, he's completely worth reading and he's quite attainable. That's your assignment over the break. Read John Adams' Risk. Hey everybody, Pre-Accident Podcast. I'm Todd Conklin. How are you? I hope good. I hope everything's uh, good as we slide into the beginning of 2021, which I can't wait for 2021 to happen because I'm really tired of 2020, but that's neither here nor there. Okay, so I teased the John Adams stuff on risk, and if you've not read it, it's really, it truly is a good, it's I like the way he thinks about risk and risk competency. And I actually met him. So Sidney Decker and John Adams and Corey Pitzer and I did a whole series of presentations. I don't know, a hundred years ago or three years ago. I don't know, a while ago, whenever that was. And so I got to hang out with him a lot. I'd read his stuff because uh, when we were working in the department of energy and on the DOE stuff, we got pretty deep into the literature, and Adams really popped out as someone really interesting. And he has a book where he has a man searching for his keys underneath a streetlight. That's the cover image. And I've always loved that image because I, I love that joke. Do you know the joke? The joke is uh, walking down the street, and you come up on a guy on his hands and knees underneath a streetlight, so the light is shining in a little ring around him and he's crawling around looking for something. And you say, what are you doing? And he says, I lost my keys. And he says, can I help you find them? Where did you last have them? And the guy points and he says, over on the other side of the street. And the man says, well, why are you looking here? And the man on his hands and knees looking for the keys says, because the light is so much better. I'm giving a little pause for a uh, raucous laugh. Don't lose control of the car or anything, but, I mean, that's the joke. It, you probably know it before. I think it's been around a while, that joke. It's, it feels like it's been around hundreds and hundreds of years. But I think it's a really interesting comment on where we are as we think about resilience and capacity and really the impact that the pandemic has had on us to help us illuminate, if you will, the work we're doing. Uh, choice, illuminate used by choice. I mean, because, you know, I'm trying to tie into the joke. When John Adams put that book out, which I bet was 20 years ago, I thought it was clever and interesting, but I don't think I fully understood the power of why he chose that image as the cover. But now I do. And the reason I do is because I think one of the biggest problems we've had traditionally, especially in the field of safety and high reliability and sort of stable operations, operational excellence, the, the kind of work we do, is that we tended to focus where the light was good. And in our essence to focus where the light was good, we probably weren't at the place where the problem existed. And, and I think that's true. I don't mean it in a damning way. I don't mean to say we're losers, although some of you clearly are losers, but not everybody, right? It's not that we're losers. 
it's that the appealing nature of looking where the light is good it is so much easier and it's so much more potentially profitable and it just makes the work doable. When in fact, what we know is that really to understand stable performance in high-risk operations, whatever you do, medical, computational security, DevOps, safety, whatever you do, we've probably got to look in the places where the light's not shining the most. And I think that's what Eric Hallnagel talks about when he talks about understanding normal work or when Ron Gant talks about safety being defined as nothing happening or the notion of understanding typical daily work for a worker, which is what Bob Edwards has made his career about. And, and what I think about a lot as well is that that illuminating the typical work is harder to do and it doesn't pop up and it doesn't grab our attention or demand our attention is maybe a better word. What happens is we're in a position where we have to seek the places where the light is not good, but the problems exist. Operational discomfort, goal conflict, right? Process collisions, those kind of things because we know they exist, but it's hard because the light is so much better on the other side of the street. It is so much easier to see on the other side of the street. And to an extent, I think it's why we've traditionally studied failure in order to define normal. Because the light's better at the failure. When in reality, what we have to do is really understand normal in order to better understand where the conditions exist where a failure could have significant consequence to operations, environment, quality, production, safety, whatever critical thing you manage. And you guys manage a crapload of critical things. And I think in a way, the crises, the pandemic, the COVID-19, the economic, the logistics, all the crises that have come to a line in the midst of 2020 have force the light to become larger. I'm not sure it's easier to see the problems, but the light got bigger. And it got bigger because all of a sudden, parts of our system that we thought were stable, that really weren't very noisy, that didn't squeak so they didn't require oil, some of those parts of the system became really apparent. And what's amazing, and I think this is worth talking about, is that we saw places where there were very, very brittle components in our organizations, in our systems, in our nations, in the world. But we also simultaneously discovered places that were actually incredibly resilient, resilient beyond imagination, resilient to places that we did not realize we had that type of resilience. And I think it reminded us, as the light got wider because of the crisis, that a lot of the resilience we count on lives in the hearts and minds and arms and legs and backs and hands and heads of the people who make operations happen day in and day out, day in and day out. I mean, I was amazed. One of the things I learned when I gave the bouncing forward presentation one million times to leaders all across the globe, and I really think I did give it one million times to leaders all across the globe, lots of leaders wanted that discussion, right? One of the things that amazed me about that presentation 
was how surprised senior leadership was. Genuinely surprised. I mean, not mean surprised or weird surprised, but but surprised by how incredibly adaptive and resilient their people were when taken through this gigantic and horrific stress test that we went through. Not that they were surprised, like, I never knew my workers were talented. They all knew their workers were talented. They loved their workers. It wasn't it wasn't like this big earth-shattering move, wow, my people are amazing. I think everybody kind of believes their people are amazing. But when tested, they were amazed at how amazing they were. How was that for a sentence? That's a pretty good sentence if you ask me, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bragging, but I think that came out well. Maybe that's a function of the light being brighter or bigger or more distributed. And maybe one of the lessons we can take out of this before we launch into 2021, because that's where we're heading, maybe one of the lessons we can take from this is that out of this crisis, out of this adversity, there is the benefit to become better. And the way we become better is by understanding and knowing where our systems are especially brittle in places where we never imagined for a million years our systems could be brittle. And I think about that when I think about politics in the United States. We learned where our system was especially brittle. What's important now is that we make a decision to either blame and punish or learn and improve. And that's true of every operation, no matter where you are on the globe. We've learned where our systems are brittle. We can either go down the get-even side of the equation or we can go down the get-better side of the equation. And that, I think, is our strategic challenge. And, and probably, in a way, should kind of put us into a position where we're thinking about 2021 a little differently. It's crazy because... That book on risk was really an important part of the journey we took within the Department of Energy, Shane and Rob Fisher and Tony Mashara and Earl Carnes and the whole gang. I mean, I'm sure I miss people. Bill, Riga, I'm, I know I'm missing people. I know I am. And I love each one of you, Kim. I'm, I can think of people to say, right? Right. That's that when we, when we went on that journey, I think we looked at that book and thought it was about understanding risk better in high-risk operations. And it was. Oh, there's no question it was. But now I realize that maybe John Adams put the reference to that old joke on that front cover because what I think he was challenging us to do is to not look where it's easy. Because where it's easy, it's easy. But to, in fact, look where it's harder to see. And the pandemic and all that was associated with that, I think, forced our hand. At least me. I'll own this for me. And it gave John Adams' book cover an entirely new meaning. So does that make you kind of want to go and look that book up? You should. I mean, it's definitely worth looking up. And he's a super interesting guy. I have not. I have completely lost track of him. I do not know how he is doing or what is up or how life is treating him. He was at really the 
the end of his career when we were fortunate enough to get to work with him. So I don't know. It's, it's weird how people zoom in and out of your lives. I mean, and I think what's cool about that is then there are these moments where maybe you're on a bike ride on the Asakia Trail 20 miles away from where you live, and you start thinking about that book cover, and you start thinking about that old joke. Why are you looking here if the last place you had him was across the street? And the guy says, because the light's better over here. That's a pretty good way for us to learn. I think so, at least. That, my friends, is probably the podcast that I would normally put in where I talked about my New Year's resolution. Because this year, my New Year's resolution is to get to 2021. I mean, I, I just need to make it through and keep everybody I know alive and happy and going strong. But I hope this discussion, if you get a minute to hear it, helps you think about some of the potential benefits we have of the horrible year we just encountered. Because I think if we look at this as an opportunity to learn and improve, then the outcome is that we, in fact, will learn and improve. That's kind of what we're good at. I mean, when we say we're going to do it, we do it. And that is really the brightest piece of information I can give you as we head into the new year. So there, my friends, is the podcast, short and sweet, although it feels like maybe it wasn't that short, but I hope it was sweet. It should be sweet. I wish for you a happy new year and a pleasant season. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, all the things that we celebrate this time of year. Learn something new every single day. Read John Adams and you'll be able to answer yes to that question. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Check in on your buddy. Be kind to one another. That's important. And for goodness sakes, be safe. <laughs>